In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 14, I'll read it to you from the New King James, then I want you to see it from the Amplified Bible. He said, for this reason, this is Paul writing by the Spirit of God. For this reason, I bow my knees to who? The Father. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That has to do with our identity, who we are in him and who he is in us. We've been given a name. And I don't know that we fully understand that. But when somebody puts their name on something, depending on who that somebody was, man, it can change the whole value of it. You can take any old given object, but when somebody puts their name on it, it can increase the value of that exponentially. I mean, you can go to Walmart this afternoon and buy a baseball, right? And spend what? Maybe a couple of bucks, three, four bucks on a baseball. But what if you had a baseball that had somebody's name on it? I don't know, like Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. Just a name, right? same balls. Matter of fact, this one's new and this one's really old. And yet you got one that's worth a few bucks and you got one that might be worth thousands. Why? What's the difference? The name. Come on, say it. The name. There's a name on it. There's a name that's been written on it. There's a name that's been given to it. You and I have been given a name. There's been a name that's been put on us. You are autographed. <laughs> you are a collector's item. And as soon as that name got put on you, you went from a cheap clay pot to something priceless, something precious, something valuable. How did the value change so much? The name. He put his name on you. And it was the name of the Father. And it's the name that we've been given. The whole family in heaven and earth has been named with the name of the Father. And he's praying here in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in what? In love. You gotta have some roots. In this life, you gotta have some roots. You've gotta be grounded in something. If you're not, you are going to be tossed to and fro. You are going to be up. You're going to be down. You are going to be an emotional roller coaster. You're going to be all over the place if you got no roots. Come on, you need some roots that go down deep. What do roots do? They act as an anchor. And when the wind blows on the surface and when the sun is up and the heat is on on the surface and the floods come on the surface, there's something beneath the surface that's anchoring you, that's holding you down. Roots act as an anchor. What else do roots do? Roots are the life source. Roots tap in to nutrition and, and water and a supply that's unseen. And no matter what's happening up on top, if those roots can access life down below, you can keep this thing alive. You need some roots. And according to the scripture, what are we supposed to be rooted and grounded in? Love. Love. Now, if you're not careful, you'll read that and think, you know what? Dadgummit, you're right. I got to walk in love. 
I've been a real jerk, and I have got to be. All right, Monday morning. We're starting this love thing, and I'm going to be nice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my temper, and I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to be kind. I'm going I'm to walk in love. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going I'm to walk in love so hard. I'm going to walk in love. I'm gonna, these people are not going to know what hit them. I'm going to love them so good. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. I promise you, you are about to be the biggest jerk you have ever been. Why? Because you're looking to yourself as the source of love. When he said be rooted and grounded in love, he wasn't talking first about you loving. That's fruit, not root. I hope you heard that. You and I showing love is fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the result of what we're rooted in. So if we're not rooted in our love for each other, what are we rooted in? My father loves me. There's your root. Did you hear me? That's your root for this whole life. That's your root. You got to have a center. You got to have a starting place. And if your starting place when it comes to God is how much he loves you, then let whatever doctrine come and doctrine go and, and let this one say that about God and this one and their theology. And you can let all the winds of doctrine blow, but you don't have to be confused by any of it. Why? I may not know all that, but I know he loves me. You know how many questions that would answer? Well, I heard God will put some sickness on you. Wait a second. He loves me. Did that just answer that question right there? He loves me so much. He gave me cancer. That doesn't, wait a second. That doesn't, no, no. He loves me. He loves me. What makes more sense? He loves me so he made me sick or he loves me so he healed me. He loves me. He loves me. And I know questions arise and, and things that puzzle us come up and things we don't have all the answers to, but I know this. He loves me. My father loves me. I'm rooted in it. I'm grounded in it, established in it. He goes on to say, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. He said, I'm praying in verse 18 that you, now listen, this is huge. This is so big. That you would be able to comprehend. What did I tell you just a moment ago? Quit trying to wrap your brain around it. But just because your brain is still catching up with it doesn't mean your heart can't comprehend it. This is where we comprehend these things. It's not with the head, it's with the heart. He said, I'm praying that you would comprehend. That means to have a working understanding of all, comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Now, does that, does that not fly in the face of every religious thing you've ever been taught about the love of God? Oh, we could never understand. His love is just too much. We could never understand. We could never, I could never know. Well, if you're talking about with the brain, fine. But look at how subtle the enemy has been to convince believers 
for generations that it's the right mentality and the right thing to say over and over and over. I could not understand the love. Can you see the trick of the enemy here to convince people you can't understand it? So quit trying. And if the enemy could talk you out of how much, how much you are loved, then faith won't operate because faith works by love or faith works, but not until you know how much you're loved. So do me this favor and do yourself this favor. Never say again that you can't comprehend the love of God. Never say again that you can't understand the love of God. Sure, you may not know everything there is to know, but there's no reason you and I shouldn't know more about it today than we did yesterday. And there's no reason we shouldn't increase in it tomorrow and have a greater comprehension of the love of God tomorrow than we did today. And an even greater one the day after that. And the rest of this life is supposed to be spent increasing in our comprehension and knowing what is the width and the depth and the length and the height of the love of God that you would know the love of Christ. Growing in it every single day. And the more you grow in this, the deeper your roots grow, go down into it. Say it again. My father loves me. My father loves me. And he said, I'm praying that you comprehend with all the saints. This is something every believer is supposed to know. This is something every believer the world over is supposed to have a working comprehension and an understanding of how much, how greatly, how deeply we are loved by the Father. And how different church would be if every last one of us came in here with this full-blown revelation, I'm loved. I am, so, I am so loved. I am so deeply, passionately, madly loved by God. There'd be no strife among us. Oh my goodness. If every saint comprehended the love of God. And this is what he's praying. Do you see this? This is what the Spirit of God is leading this man to pray for us. That you would comprehend it. And then he said that you would know. That you would know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. What does that mean? That you would know something that passes knowledge. Well listen to it from the Amplified Bible. He said it like this. Verse 14 again, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. Himself indwelling your inmost being and personality. May Christ, through faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. May you be rooted deep in love, founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people. Listen, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it that you may really come to know practically through experience. There's that word again. For yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. So now can you see what he's talking about? I'm praying that you would know something that passes knowledge. What he's saying is there's two different kinds of knowledge. 
There is knowledge with experience, and there's knowledge without experience. Which do you suppose is most valuable? Knowledge with it or knowledge without experience? I ask people this all the time. Who do you want flying your plane? Somebody with knowledge and no experience? Or somebody with knowledge and experience? Who do you want? Who do you want flying the plane? You want knowledge with experience, right? What if I gave you two options? Option A was this, this pilot, high-time military pilot, flew everything the military had to offer. He was in emergency situations, combat situations, lived to tell about all of it, and, and retired military, went into commercial aviation, flew the biggest, baddest commercial stuff all over the world, wrote the book on every, emerge, every imaginable emergency situation, 15, 20,000 hours in the cockpit, and that's knowledge with experience. So that's one option. Or you got this other guy who's seen Top Gun like 15 times. <laughs> no, I mean it. He's read a bunch of books. He's just a real airplane enthusiast. I mean, he's read aviation books. He subscribes to like three different aviation magazines. He could point to a plane, tell you what kind of plane it is, could tell you all about the engine, could tell you all about the operating systems. I mean, this guy knows a ton about airplanes. The only thing is he's never flown one. Who do you want flying the plane? Knowledge with experience, knowledge without experience. You want knowledge with. And I'm sad to say it, but so much, it seems to me, the body of Christ is full of people that have a bunch of knowledge about God with not enough experience. They can rattle off a bunch of scriptures about all the love of God and how God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that he's drawn us with an everlasting love, yes. And because of his great love and his love and his love and his love. That's wonderful knowledge. You ever tasted any of it? Ever experienced any of it? I feel like I know you well enough now, church, to know that you're not satisfied, just like me. You are not satisfied to come in here week after week after week, load up on a bunch of knowledge, and never have an encounter, never have an experience with the love of God. And that's the kind of thing that will root you and ground you deep in the love of God, that you would know it with experience. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple more verses here and we'll wrap this up. Go to the book of Romans with me. Romans chapter eight and verse 14. This is a verse we looked at together a couple of weeks ago when I was with you last week, talking about being led by the spirit of God. It says in verse 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's not a spirit that's from God. God's not given us the spirit of fear. But what did we receive? He says it here. You received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. Is there anybody in our church that's adopted? Any hands? I see that. I see another one. I have always been, I don't know the right word, fascinated by that and just the idea of, of a child growing up in a home and being told 
years later by the ones, the mom and the dad, who they've called mom and dad for years. Listen, we, we adopted you. And what's interesting to me about that is that can go one of two ways in somebody's life. Somebody can find that out about their past. Wow, I'm adopted? And the first thing the enemy brings to the heart and mind of that person, and correct me if I'm wrong, the first thing the enemy brings is you weren't wanted. You had a mom or you had a dad, but they, they didn't want you. But if that person will listen to the voice of God and not the voice of the enemy, they'll actually hear just the opposite. They will hear, I wanted you. I picked you. And that's what somebody who carries that spirit of adoption has that really the rest of the world around you d doesn't have. My parents didn't have a ton of choice when it came to me. And you notice that first verse we read today out of 1 John chapter 3, he said, look at the love, behold what manner of love this is, that we should be called the children of God. And the Amplified Bible says, and so we are. That's the proof of the love of the Father. He calls you his child. Anybody else have kids? Ever been tempted to not claim them? I can remember a handful of times in my childhood where my mom looked at my dad and said, that's your son. He's your child. Oh, sure. Yeah, we've all been tempted at one time or another. Is this seriously my kid? Was there a mix-up? Somebody tell me there was a mix-up. Ever been tempted to not claim that child as yours? Your father, your heavenly father, will never, are you listening to me? Never not claim you. Even in spite of the dumb stuff we've done, even in spite of the mistakes we've made, even in spite of the mistakes we've made again and again, he will never turn his head in shame. I say, that's got to be somebody else's kid. <laughs> never. He will never not claim you. That's the spirit of adoption. And the enemy will try to tell you, you're unwanted. But the spirit of adoption will tell you, I picked you. I chose you. And again, it wasn't based on anything outward. You weren't the biggest. You weren't the baddest. You weren't the strongest. Well, then why'd you pick me? Love. I loved you. And doesn't that sound like a conversation between a parent and a child? I did this. Why? It's time for this. Why? You ever had children have the, the, the but why conversation with you? Time to go do this. But why? But why? But why? And those of you who are parents, maybe you found yourself in conversation with a child and you're doing your best to help that three-year-old understand the reason why. And every time you offer an explanation, every time you offer an answer, they just come back with but why? But why? But why? But help me out, moms. There's an answer coming. Am I telling the truth? There's an answer coming that will end this conversation. And I have found that moms arrive at that answer much quicker than dads do. A dad will sit there and endeavor to get the logic into the head of the toddler. But am I telling the truth? Is there an answer coming? What is the answer to but why that will end the conversation? 
Because I said so. Because I said so. I see a head nod, right? Because I said so. And it's supposed to end the whole but why conversation. Do you know how many people, children of God, have been in a decades-long but why conversation with God? I love you. Oh, but why? My baby, I love you. Yeah, but why, God? I'm so unworthy. I'm just a dead dog. I'm just a worm. But why? Why do you love me? Well, baby, I love you. But why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? There is an answer coming. If you will hear it from the heart of the Father, it will end the but why confusion conversation that you've been having with him forever. And if you will listen to your father when he says to you, I love you because I said so. Because I said so. You are loved because I said you are loved. You are my child because I said you are my child. Are we done? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, we are done. And he said, we have this spirit, Romans chapter 8, we have this spirit of adoption, and it's out of this spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. That's basically Greek for daddy, dada. Do you remember when your child said dada? Dads, you remember that? The first time you heard dada? I know it changed my life. I know it thrilled my soul. Where's that come from? Because that's the heart of the Father that's in us. Could he really be so pleased with a simple dada that comes out in faith, confident that he loves us? That's the spirit of adoption crying out. And in the same chapter, Romans chapter 8, if you skip ahead to verse 31, again, the Spirit of God through Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God, or let's say it like this, if the Father is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I've given you all things. Oh, but why? Because I love you. I love you. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He says, is it God who justifies you? Who's going to charge you? And this is why we got to be careful as believers that we don't spend our time charging and condemning one another. I have no right to charge you with a sin. I'm guilty of all the same stuff you are. You can't be charging each other with guilt and sin and condemnation. Why are you guilty of all the same stuff? The only one who could have charged you and condemned you chose instead to justify you. Chose instead to free you. Why would he do that? My father loves me. He loves me. He said in verse 34, who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen? who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us? Jesus, the only one who could have condemned us. The only one who could have rightfully picked up a stone to stone us, to put us to death, to charge us with a sin and a crime, and to condemn us to death. The only one who could have done it. Why could he have done it? Because he was perfect. The only one who never made the mistake. Chose instead to die for you, take your sin upon him, 
and to be raised again in order to justify you. He went through all that. Is he going to turn around and now condemn you? No. Why would he do that? One answer, love. He loved you. He said in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What's the answer? No. Shall distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? Peril? Sword? Can any of these things separate us from the love of the Father? No. As it's written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of the Father, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.